TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Leaves the pocket wide open over the middle is Jamar Chase, who's in for the touchdown. A 28-yard scoring strike. From Burrow to Chase. Bengals on the board first. Burrow pump fakes to the right. Back corner of the end zone. Wide open Hayden Hurst. 15 yards for the touchdown. Two receiving targets. Wide open for scores on each of Cincinnati's first two drives. Allen takes the snap. Pump fakes to his left. Comes back to the right. As Shakir open at the nine. Forced out of bounds. At the four-yard line by Jesse Bates, it's first and goal, Buffalo. Allen going to try to surge over the left side, and he's in for the touchdown. And there's some extracurricular after the play as well. Allen is heated as Jesse Bates tried to strip the ball after he was already in the end zone. This season, they lose a convincing decision here at home by a final of 27-10. to We will have a rematch in the AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs, won in overtime by the Bengals last year, 27-24, to advance to the Super Bowl. All right, that is your Toshiba Game Rewind. Toshiba, the official copier company of the Buffalo Bills, here on a Buffalo Football Monday, and it's a sad one as Buffalo season has come to an unceremonious end in the divisional round for the second straight season by a final of 27-10 to 10, as the Bills fall to the Bengals and, truthfully, we're never really in it. Uh, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you to talk you through it. Uh, we'll serve as therapists today if we need to. There's a lot to discuss. We're also going to have a lot of commentary coming out of the locker room today as it is locker clean-out day. We're going to hear from a number of players including some prospective free agents. We'll get to that through the course of the next three hours and bring those interviews to you. Um, But in the meantime, it's you and us to discuss at 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board after what was a shockingly disappointing day. And I I don't know about you, Steve, but I thought Matt Milano's comments were the most eye-opening. Um He just said he felt like there was no energy on the field, no juice. And I know for Bills fans, it's hard to imagine how could you be two wins away from the Super Bowl and not have any juice in a home playoff game with a raucous crowd. But I think if you stop and think about it, and I'm not making any excuses here, but you think about what this team had to plow their way through all season long, And I think they just got to a point where there was nothing left in the tank to give. And you wish they could have summoned it up for another week and play for another week and all of that. But they just had nothing. They were flat. They were making – I mean, the first two touchdowns, Steve, are come on blown coverages, Mm -hmm. wide-open players. You never see that in Buffalo secondary. Um at least not more than once in a quarter. And you saw it twice. And they were in an early hole. And all three phases. You hear Coach McDermott talk all the time about complimentary football. They didn't have it in any of their three phases yesterday at all. It was it was a hollow performance. Yeah, and I think it was highlighted by the fact that the Bengals, right or wrong, just or in, unjust, they were they used the that ticket thing about the neutral site championship game being sold by Kansas City and Buffalo. They used it to their advantage uh, to motivate themselves. They came out on fire, no question about it. The Bengals were manufactured 
anger out of that situation, and they used it to their benefit. And Buffalo didn't have anything like that to build on. Um, certainly, the you know there was even conversations in Bills fans about you know what were they going to were they, they were they going to boo the Bengals when they came out, and, and people were like, I don't know, I have a hard time booing them. You know, for the way the DeMar Hamlin thing went in that Monday night game and the fact that there's no question the Bengals kind of got the short end of the stick in the aftermath of the decisions the league made about the scheduling and the seeding. The Bengals did get um, the short end of the stick. So it's kind of hard to boom when they come out of the tunnel. So there's all this, this, these conflicting emotions about this game and how, what it was going to mean. Certainly, uh, that was highlighted by the fact the Bengals came in um, unhappy and played like it. And the Bills couldn't match it or didn't match it. And that's and it, and it showed, I think. You're right. I think that's what showed in the in the way the game transpired. For for Cincinnati, I said it on the air yesterday, it was an airtight performance. I outside of a couple of false starts and a delay of game that wasn't called at the goal line. Um it was it was an airtight performance from start to finish. They put on a clinic yesterday. Uh, and there's no way around it. Now, the Bills certainly aided them with them being unable to put up much resistance on the defensive side of the ball or to get anything going consistently on offense. They just Nobody was nobody stepped up to give the team a spark. Not yeah, one the, person. The, um, the fact that Bills scored, they scored on average like 29 or 30 points a game this during the season. 20 I think 29 points a game they averaged. They scored 10 yesterday. They scored and over the, 30 in each of the last 3 coming up to this game. Uh, last 4. And so they only scored 10 points in the game. The Cincinnati Bengals averaged 26 points a game coming in and they scored 27. Um, the Bengals did not miss a beat because of the conditions, the playoff, whatever. And Buffalo didn't match them on either side of the ball. They, the Bengals scored exactly what they usually score. The Bills couldn't make a dent in that, and, they couldn't, and the Bills couldn't score points. Uh, they couldn't make a dent in that. So, yeah, that, the Bengals clearly played better at every turn yesterday than the Bills did. And, and, you know, as much as it hurts to say it, they deserved the win. The, uh, the comments from Coach McDermott I thought were pretty honest. He said they got beat at the line of scrimmage. They were, they were out-physicaled, to use his word, and they were. Uh, he also said they were out-coached, and he's right about that. Um, you know, the, the Bengals came in with the 29th-ranked rushed offense and played AFC North bully ball with the Bills, and they had nothing to give them in terms of resistance. That'll give you an idea of how much – and why they spend so many much time thinking about this stuff in the NFL and in football in general, not just at this level, but lower levels as well. A motivation counts a lot because of the physical toll it takes on your body and because of the, you know, the discomfort of playing the game itself, banging into people and getting banged against and knocked down. You got to get up, um, you know, stepped on, you know, a knee here, a, a, a punch here, you know, whatever, you know, you get banged and it hurts. That's why being motivated to play well makes such a difference in the sport because you need that emotional impact to get through that and to decide that it's not going to matter today. The Bengals were right there. They did not care about anything except winning that game, and they were really highly motivated to take it to another team who, for whatever reason, they felt you know justified in doing so. Um, that means a lot. And if you're a team that comes in that can't, doesn't have that in their tank, that can't match that, that kind of attitude, you're going to look like the Bills did yesterday. Uh, particularly when you come in and there's another team like that and they have some early success like the Bengals did on both sides of the ball and it steamrolls. And then all of a sudden you, it's a hole you, you really struggle to, no. to climb out of. Let's go to the phones at 803-0550, Get your thoughts on this humbling defeat at the hands of the Bengals. And we lead off here with Chris in Cheektawaga. What do you got for us, Chris? You're on One Bills Live. Hi, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, very disappointing. Um, I, I had a hard time waking up this morning uh, thinking about the loss. But I wanted to touch base uh, on the coaching, and I know it's been touched on 
pretty much all morning. But I think I, I've always liked McDermott. I think uh, a lot of it is his fault why we get to even get to the divisional championship game. But I also wonder if is he the reason why we're being held back? And I'm also wondering, like, should we like? Do the offensive and defensive coordinators have to go? Do we need that much of a change? Yeah, I mean, that's that's always a slippery slope to go down. I, I don't believe that's the way you want to go here. Um, we already know that the roster, as is the case every year, is going to change 25 to 30% on average. That's about the league average. So there's going to be a lot of change there, and I think for the first time in the McDermott era, there's a chance that you're going to see foundational cornerstone type players no longer on this roster and knowing that and knowing the seismic change that that could present going forward do you want to change coordinators again because you just had two guys ascend to new coordinator positions this year you want to you want to spin the dial again I don't know um this team was 13 and 3 in the regular season with a myriad of injuries and every possible obstacle and piece of adversity you could think of thrown at them. And they were still a 13 and three football team in the regular season with one game scrapped. I don't think you hit the reset button necessarily on your coaching staff. I think you try to find ways to improve the roster. So the execution is better out on the football field, especially for those got to have it moments in football games. Um, I don't know if you feel differently, Steve, but no, I, yeah, I agree. I, you're right. They were 13 and three. And anytime you've got a team that is so good that, and then there was vocal criticism throughout the season. And most of it that I remember had and without, and unless it was a certain play here, a certain play, like you go back to the Minnesota game and, you know, sure. Cam Lewis could have knocked that ball down and the game's over or Josh Allen could might have fumbled the snap and gave him a touchdown. It could have, you know, all that stuff. Outside of that, most of the criticism that followed this team all season was style points about how bad they looked winning. Um, it, was, it happened time and time again, even on our show, where you come in and say, wow, that was a horrible game. We only won by eight. Um, you know, it was that kind of thing. And anytime you got a franchise like that, you know, it's not, it's not all bad. Uh, certainly you want your team to come out and dominate. And you saw them do that early in the season. They were knocking teams out of the park early and, and piling on. And that did not continue into the second half of the season after the bye week kind of thing. But they were still winning games. They were on an eight-game winning streak coming into last night's game. And clearly, once again, the, the criticism was that they didn't look good in all their victories or in any of them or whatever. Uh, so it's a slippery slope to say change – coordinators because they didn't look good winning I have a hard time getting there I understand the I understand the process of of saying hey listen you got guys out there who we've seen play extremely well and who aren't playing well now whose fault is it why isn't it happening what what are the factors going in a couple of the guys today uh, some of the veteran players and I you could feel it because it looked like that in the conversation Brownie and I just had and I, I, I don't know but it certainly looked like a team that ran out of gas um, from all the way back from the Jefferson Avenue shooting all the way through Kim Pagula, Luke Knox, two life-threatening and life-and-death struggles to two different storms, DeMar Hamlin uh, and all the rest. It was difficult, a difficult season. And as, a, as a, an entity in this com- community – as large and important as the Bills, they were expected to be involved in all of that. And they were a beacon through all of that. And they were something that people leaned on through all of that. And I think in this game yesterday, there's there's a chance that they were, weren't up to it um, emotionally. I know this, and we talked about it. They, now, they came back and won the next game against the Patriots, but it took two kickoff returns by Naheem Hines to do it. And the Patriots aren't good. Uh, they did beat... Uh, the Miami Dolphins last week with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Uh, it you know it took their best effort to do it. Uh, this is a team I think that was gutted by what happened on the Monday night game three weeks ago, and I don't know that they were ever the same. But still, uh, I'm still not a fan of 
rotating out coordinators starting to starting to blow it up in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Let's go to Tim in Clarence next. Tim, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for taking my call. Look, you're right, uh, Chris and, and Steve. I'm a longtime Bills fan, years, but I um, I did enjoy the season. You're right, we did win. It was ugly the last half of the season, but I was going to say about. I noticed this. I was talking to my sister about it. She's a big Bills fan, and it just seems like they figure Josh out and um, their coordinators, and they collapsed in the pocket. And I was even watching last week the Miami game. They were rolling him out, the Skyler, whatever his name was. And I'm wondering, Josh, why they wouldn't do that? Because he got so many balls batted down yesterday, and he's in the pocket. And why don't they have these to roll him out either side, use his gifts, number one. Number two, I think it's apparent, too. We were hoping after last year looking at Gabe Davis to step up to number two. He needs better weapons around him. And as the offense does do better, you put the defense in a better position, and we're not doing that. So I'll uh, hang up, but I appreciate what you're doing. Still a Bills fan forever, and uh, I do agree with you. Once you set the emotion aside, that you can't just gut out the coordinators, although we did get out coached. There's no question about it. Uh, they showed up, and we did. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, Coach McDermott said it himself. We got out coached. So. Uh, I don't think there's any debating that topic if the head coach of the football team admits to it. Um, To your point about Josh, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Miami kind of set up a little bit of a blueprint. They kept their the edge rushers up the field, preventing an escape route for him to roll out and buy extra time. And then their defensive tackles rushed three yards up the field and then hung out in case he wanted to step up in the pocket and they would show themselves there. And it kept Josh's rushing yards down precipitously over these last two games. And Josh was even hesitant at times as to whether to run or to try to make a play behind the line of scrimmage by throwing it. And I think it will be a blueprint going forward. So the Bills are going to have to do something to address that, whether it's running a bootleg right out from the snap to get him out on the edge on more plays uh, to defeat it that way. And your second point about more weapons is 100% accurate. The Bills this year fell behind in the arms race in the AFC in terms of equipping their quarterback with a sufficient number of options. Proof of that came in the recall of John Brown and Cole Beasley halfway through the season because they knew they didn't have enough weapons for Josh Allen to consistently count on. It was Steph Diggs, and then late in the season, Dawson Knox came on and put together a great second half of the season. But besides those two, consistent week-in, week-out production was not there from anybody else in the receiving core for various reasons. But you are now behind in a quarterback arms race for weapons on your offense, and that has to be fixed quickly this offseason if you want to maximize what Josh Allen can do for you and this offense. That's where you have to invest this offseason because right now, Cincinnati is ahead of you in terms of weapons for Joe Burrow. Kansas City is ahead of you in terms of weapons for Patrick Mahomes. And you can even argue that Miami is ahead of you in terms of weapons for Tua. So you have to get that fixed this offseason to allow Josh to maximize his skill set with receivers to throw to on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah, and, and there's different philosophy. Here's the thing you got to remember, too. You're going to be presented with opportunities this offseason to get better. And it's certainly there's a couple of philosophies about it. You, you want to get your roster as good as it can get. But there's a philosophy, too, that you spend draft picks and capital and salary cap money on one side of the ball or the other. And there are some teams in the league, Kansas City being one of them, uh, that say, listen, we're going to score points. And our, we're, going to, our defense, we're going to get a good coordinator and, and a sh- uh, uh, Spagnola is a really good coordinator in Kansas City, but – you know, they got a couple of pass rushers, and that's about it. They're going to score points. They're going to put more weapons on the on the field. They're going to give Pat Mahomes more offensive linemen. They're going to draft him. They're going to get guys. They're going to build it on one side of the ball and do what they can with the other and see if you can keep up. Uh, that's a philosophy, and certainly it works for them. Uh, most other teams are going to put their roster together with as good a people as they can on both sides of the ball. 
uh, you could make an argument now, particularly with a guy like Josh Allen, that, you know what, the Bills need to go with that Chiefs model and give him all the help they can get. Well, think Draft of- some offensive linemen, get some wide out, get some more help from wideouts. Steph Diggs is 30 years old now, and, you know, you've got to bring some, bring some help in for him. Uh, the, the rotation at wide receiver this year, to me, spoke that they were not seeing enough from that crew. Now, Steph Diggs had a great season. But, man, oh, man, when teams managed to double-team him and find him and get to – and he wasn't there, you know, Josh was struggling. It, it, was just, it seemed like they weren't making a do. And certainly there's guys who flashed, Knox, Khalil, Shakir, um, and Gabe in the last couple of games, Gabe Davis. But, man, oh, man, it was few and far between, and it seemed like a struggle. So, yeah, that, that philosophy, I can get behind it. I mean, they, but they're going to have to do some things with their resources this offseason that will help their quarterback and help them keep up in this arms race you spoke about. Yeah, I mean, you could even argue that Jacksonville is getting precipitously close to the Bills in terms of weapons that they have at their disposal for Trevor Lawrence on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know if they're quite there, but let's not forget, they're going to get Calvin Ridley off suspension next year on their roster to go with Marvin Jones Jr. and to go with Zay Jones and to go with um, Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they got a, crew, a young crew down there, and they're going to be closing the gap as well. Think about what the Chiefs did this last offseason. They trade away Tyreek Hill. They signed Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and they still have McCole Hardman on the team, and they're still not done. At the trade deadline, they had Kadarius Toney. Right. And they have Travis Kelsey. So – that's the approach that the Bills need to take going forward because you're going to fall woefully behind and you're not going to be able to keep up with those teams. Yeah, they're not going to make it better for defenses in the NFL. They're going to make it worse for them. So it's going to be harder and harder to play defense. And unless you're sitting at the number one or two or three pick of the draft or maybe inside the top five, you're not going to get a game-changing pass rusher. Yeah. So, and that's really kind of the only place you'd get one, right? So I th- I'm, I'm kind of with you. Um, you got to, and they will. They'll sit back, look at the entire league, look at trends that are happening on rosters and things around the league. They'll look at the list of free agents. The simple fact of the matter is, if you can't do that though, because there's nobody available, or you can't sign those free agents, or you're not willing to pay the money for a free agent of the kind you're looking for, you got to put your resources somewhere else and bring in some guys on the other side of the ball or in the interior of your offensive line or you know whatever tackles, whatever. You got to bolster your roster somehow, some way. So it's, we don't know what opportunities will be presented to Brandon Bean and his guys about how they're going to build this roster. They may not get a chance at some of these people, but certainly they're going to evaluate what the best way forward is for the franchise and go from there. Let's go back to the phones. We go to Jake in Charlotte. What do you got for us, Jake? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good. Um, I want to talk about Leslie Frazier. Um, I want to. I think that Leslie Frazier is is a big, 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 big problem for the Bills. Um, he's the reason why 13 seconds happened last year, and he's also the reason why the defense failed yesterday. Um, they failed terribly yesterday, and um, his defense has been failing all season long. If if you guys go back and watch a lot of uh, the uh, tapes that that are available online. Uh, but, yeah, I'll hang up and listen. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on Leslie Frazier. And, like I said, I just think I think he needs to go. I think it's time to move on. All right, that's your opinion, Jake. guess you're entitled to it. Um, to say that they struggled all season long would be incorrect. This was the number two defense in points allowed this season, sixth overall in total defense, despite a myriad of injuries and losing Von Miller at Thanksgiving, along with a host of other players, including Micah Hyde, since week two. Top 10 in third down defense, top five in run defense, middle of the pack in pass defense because they didn't have Tredavious White back until Thanksgiving. So, I mean, you, I know numbers are numbers, results are what matter. Were there some curious defensive play calls yesterday? Yes. Um, did they adjust and affect the quarterback enough in the game yesterday? No. Did they get enough stops? I mean, Cincinnati didn't even have a third down until their third possession of the game. They marched right down the field, 
First two drives made it look easy. Two blown coverages. Look, there are two. There are things that go hand in hand with poor performances, and it's basically execution on the field and game strategy. And Coach McDermott said it after the game. We got physically manhandled at the line of scrimmage. We had miscues on the field, so a lack of execution. And he also said they got out coached. So all the way around, it was a bad day to have a bad day, but everybody had a bad day for the Bills, and that's why we saw the result that we did. Now, you want to start firing people, that's your opinion, but I don't think you want to take a one-game sample with adverse circumstances that we can run down the list of, and I'm not trying to be an excuse maker, an apologist. They got beat yesterday. They got flat-out beat on the field, on the sidelines, up in the coach's booth, however you want to slice it, they got flat-out beat by a team that was more ready to play and had a better game strategy going in and throughout making adjustments that were necessary to handily win the football game. But I just don't think knee-jerk reactions like firings are the way to go here. Yeah, <clears throat> there's too much quality behind him to do that. And, and you're right, Some the, the a couple of – Touchdown! First two touchdowns, you look at any time. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. You've got blown coverages. I mean, to me, that's on the players. They, you, yeah, that's an execution issue. That's an execution issue on the field. Um, it's defensive coordinator over there makes a call where everybody's covered and has an assignment and somebody doesn't cover them and blows their assignment. You can say what you want about the preparation, but this is, you know, in the playoffs, there's five guys on the field in the secondary that should know what they're doing. They've had tons of, all of those guys had tons of reps. There's, you know, and when you blow it, it's because you start to panic and start to do something outside your responsibility or start to go someplace else to make a play when you should have been doing what you were supposed to do on the play. That's how you blow assignments defensively. You get caught up in what you're looking at and forget that you're supposed to be doing something else rather than watching or rather than going up to make somebody else's tackle. And then all of a sudden you turn around and they're throwing at the guy you should have been covering. Uh, or you get your, your eyes are wrong because you got start getting caught up in ball handling in the backfield and all of a sudden the guy's running by you. Stuff like that happens when you blow assignments. The coordinator's over on the sidelines calling the defense he wants you to run. If you don't run it, that's when you give up touchdowns. Uh, now there's – Brownie's right. It was a, I mean, it was an unprecedented collapse yesterday when you got two opening drives of the game for the Cincinnati Bengals. They didn't, they didn't face the third down on one. Of, I mean, they had on either. They had, they averaged nine point one yards per play. Um, they had thirty first downs in the game, and only ten third downs. So. It was a rough day defensively, and it, you went up against an offensive line that was full of backup players. They steamrolled them. And they got steamrolled. Uh, they, got, they, got, they got blown up, and it goes back to not being engaged in that game enough to stem that tide. They've, 
they were not mentally in the right place to go in and play an NFL game, let alone an NFL playoff game. We have to take a break here, but more of your phone calls when we return. And we'll also go around the locker room as it is locker cleanout day here at One Bills Drive. Some interesting comments from the Bills. Maybe the most notable, Micah Hyde's comments about his availability had they won the game this week. We'll let you know about that next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live here on this Buffalo Football Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. It is locker cleanout day here at One Bills Drive after the AFC divisional loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's time for us to take you around the locker room, presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. And we begin with veteran safety Micah Hyde, who had been out since week two, but began practicing two weeks ago. And as we'll find out here from Micah, had the Bills won yesterday, he would have been cleared to play in the conference championship game. Here is Micah. Micah, I guess what's the next step in your recovery health-wise? I know you're able to get out to practice. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that look like as far as a like recovery health-wise for you as uh, approaches? Well, I actually uh, I got cleared. I got cleared. So next game, I was going to be able to go out there and play. Um, this is the most unique season obviously I've ever been a part of uh just you know working working my way back to just be a part of this team and go out there and try to help in any way I could um and then to come you know get into the playoffs and like I told you guys struggling for a little bit after surgery and then you know getting some good news from the doctor about my recovery and um you know getting to the point where I finally got to last week to to get cleared um late in the week and know that you know we have the possibility of winning this game. I'm out there. Um, I'm out there in the AFC Championship game. So, you know, just a lot of uh, highs and lows this year from you know my own personal life and also just this football team. And to come to a uh, quick stop like that, um, just like you know, 31 other teams are gonna you know live through that is, is pretty tough. You mentioned both your personal journey, but also everything the team's been through this year. What did you learn about the Buffalo Bills this season, just in everything? Um, as far as the organization or? Just like your teammates. Yeah, team. I just learned a lot. Learned a lot about these guys this year, having to, to, you know, not to be on the sideline and just still going to meetings, being here every day, the long hours. Um, just seeing the way guys work, you know, I, I definitely got closer to to a lot of guys this season. Just to, um, like I said, just see how they work and see how they, you know, approach their job each and every. I learned a lot from the young guys, older guys. Um, you know, I, like I told you guys before, I feel like with my injury is a blessing in disguise. Um, I was able to to learn a lot about the game, um, learn a lot about myself. Um, so. You know, it was cool to see. It was cool to see a lot of guys step up um, and and play a lot of snaps, big role, have a big role in this team that, you know, they coming into OTAs last year, they probably wouldn't have thought would be the case. Um, but it was it was exciting to see a lot of guys really, really flourish and, and blossom and, and come to life this season. In years past, we've done this day, and it's been a lot of like, hey, let's keep the band together. We want to get back to the game as possible. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there's probably a similar players, but there's also maybe the reality that it's just not as feasible as it was in years past. And yeah. one of those big names is somebody you've played a long time with, mm-hmm. Jordan Porter. How do you just kind of approach that side of things, heading into the offseason with so much uncertainty? Yeah, I mean, after every every loss, um, there's emotion, a lot of emotion. Uh, after the season-ending loss, this is way more uh, you know emotion. And, you know, we're, we're all, we all understand the business side of things. We all know whose contracts are up and and who's going to be free agents and stuff like that. And so coming into this season, um, you know, knowing, knowing, you know, Poe's situation, um, you know, I wanted to, number one, I wanted to help him get a new deal. I, I feel like, you know, within the locker room, guys want to see other guys get paid. And, um, you know, we all love each other. We all look out for each other. We want to see guys get paid. And so that was kind of my mindset coming into the season. And um, with my situation happening, um, you know, I said this numerous times that, there was there was more on Poe's shoulder th- shoulders this year than any other year of us being here. Um, you know, I, I to be honest, I kind of felt like I let him down just in the sense of getting hurt because, you know, him having to 
continue to to move on without me, which I would have been the same way if Poe got you know if Poe got hurt for the season and, and I was out there, it would have been more on my shoulders to get guys lined up, um, to mentally prepare for the week, um, to talk ball. You know, just when you spend so much time with somebody um, throughout the last six years, you just you know you kind of just lean into them, and so um, you know I feel like I kind of let him down, and and he had a lot on his shoulders, and you know just seeing him yesterday, um, not really in the game how we wanted to and in the game how he personally wanted to was tough to see. Like, it, it hurt me to see that, um, you know, because you, you never know what the future holds. It's a business, you know. So I've been in the league long enough and I've seen a lot of teammates come and go. And um, Poe would definitely be the the one um, at the top of the list to, to see go just because, it's, you know, we were able to step into this place together in, in, in 17 and make a name for ourselves. He helped me get to where I am in my, in my career and, and vice versa. Um, you know, we leaned on each other a lot over the last six years, not just on the field, but off. Um, just having just grown man conversations, starting families together, um, just, you know, everything, every aspect of life. So love Poe. Um, you know, it was, it was emotional. It was emotional yesterday uh, just coming home and, and, and seeing, you know, number one, me not playing, but number two, seeing Poe, um, really uncertain about his future and that goes along with some other guys but like I said Poe definitely be at the top of the list. I know that you know this is obviously above you know your your pay grade and these are decisions that are made above you what if Jordan's here next year if he's not but knowing what he means to see what he means to you are these conversations that do you have conversations with guys like Sean Brandon um you know as that time uh, approaches, I, I guess. They they know that. They know that. Um, you know, they've been around us just, you know, being in the building and stuff like that. They, they know how, you know, what relationships guys have. They know how close Poe and I am. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, like, like you said, that's above my pay grade. Um, as far as guys coming and going in this, you know, organization, it's really nothing, you know, really nothing I can say. I can always vouch for somebody, you know, and, and stuff like that, but um, it's above me. Michael, what? This team's been going upward from 17 and the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Now that the standard is different than when you first started, you were in Green Bay, a lot of success, but you weren't always reaching the peak. What, what's your message to this team now moving forward of, all right, we've gotten here, but how do we get here? It's, it's I mean, I've never won a championship. Like like you said, I've, I've gotten to, you know, the NFC Championship games a few times, AFC Championship game one time here. Um, and throughout the years, you just realize how crucial and how detailed you'd have to be in the playoffs. Um, you know, whether if it's a game like, I think it was a three-score game, it was a final score of 27 to 10 yesterday. It was a three-score game, but at the same time, there were some, there were some plays within that game that, um, you know, could have definitely went a, a different way. And, and if those plays were made on our side, um, you know, the, the outcome of the game could have been different. And I know you can talk about each and every play, and I'm, I'm sure you guys do that a lot also, but um, it's just very detailed. And when those plays come to you, you have to make them. Um, and so to, to lose in the divisional round again, it's tough. Um, but you got to understand that it's just a few, you're a few plays away from really, you know, getting through to that game. And then, you know, once you get into the playoffs, it's anybody's game. You just got to gotta get, hot out the right, get hot at the right time. We felt like it was us. We felt like it was us this year. Um, and a lot of teams uh, definitely felt that. But you've got to continue to uh, fine-tune your craft in the offseason, continue to get better, understand that um, it's never going to be easy. It's never going to be easy. Like It doesn't matter how much work you put in. Uh, I can I can say, it's safe to say that I've, each offseason I feel like I'm working harder. But obviously with the situation that happened this year, with in my case and whatever, it just it doesn't matter. you got to continue to work. you got to continue to fine-tune your craft and, and just uh, – you know, hope that you get hot at the right moment. Matt talked about like the energy, maybe just not being there yesterday. You know, from the outside looking in, because you didn't play in the game, did it feel like it was something that the Bengals did, or was it more something that just for whatever reason didn't materialize in the day? Uh, yeah. I mean, we got beat yesterday. Like we were, we we felt like we definitely got just beat all around. Um, you know, they, when the team's doing that to you, there's not going to be a you know a bunch of energy, a bunch of juice. Um, there weren't too many plays for us to be able to get excited, you know, get up, get off the bench, and 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 you know, really talk about. So, 
Um, I think when that is happening, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of low energy. Do I feel like before the game there was low energy? No, not at all. Guys, I feel like guys are ready to go. Guys are ready to play. The game plan throughout the week was was in place, and, and we were executing it. Um, but at the same time, you know, we just got uh, we got outplayed by them, and and uh, you got to live with it. You got to watch it. You got to learn from it, and um, and move on. Michael, what sticks with you most from this season as you head into the off season? Um, all the things that this team went through, for sure. Like it's, I've never been on a team this resilient. Um, just stuff that was was clearly out of our control, um, and guys just continue to fight and fight, and a lot of it motivated motivated us. And just at the end, we just ran out of gas. Um, we, you know, we fought all year long, and you know we've talked about this plenty of times. With just the the weather issues, the uh, injuries, um, just a lot of things that happened this year, and then to see these guys really um, keep fighting keep coming to work, keep being positive, keep getting up in the morning, which is hard to do when the weather's bad, when it's snowing, um, to see all that. It was just, it was really, I learned a lot, like I said, I learned a lot about my teammates. And um, I'm, I'm very, very proud of the the players, the coaches, this organization from, you know, cafeteria ladies to the janitors, just everybody having a positive mindset in this building each and every day. And that's something I'll definitely cherish for the rest of my life. Do you think that all of that stuff did or can have an emotional toll as the season goes on. Even if you don't realize it in the moment, you sit back and reflect and say, maybe all that stuff was just did finally catch up. Oh yeah, to us. oh yeah. And I think that it, even my perspective was different because I wasn't playing, so I was really able to sit back and and be like, wow, like, you know, even though I was in the meetings, I was that was part of the game planning stuff, but I wasn't on the field. And I feel like if, when you're on the field and you know, you're kind of your mind's kind of being taken away from you know what's going on around you. So I was. You know, off the field and just like really paying attention to what was going on. I'm just like, oh, wow, like, geez, from the like I said, from the weather issues that we had, having to leave early, and everybody has you know their own personal things going on at home. And you know, when that stuff was happening, my wife was, you know, at the house with blizzard going on, two kids, electricity going out. I'm getting phone calls. I'm staying up late, making sure you know my neighbors can help out, which they're amazing and. You know, so everyone's going through their own personal battles um, with a lot of the issues that went on this year, and uh, like I said, just ran out of gas. It was just, it was, it was a tough year. It's not making excuses by any means. Um, we felt like we, you know, this team was going to get it done, and at the end of the day, we just didn't. Pretty uh, telling comments from Micah Hyde, who I think pegged a lot of things. Um, maybe the most interesting is the uncertainty that comes in this offseason knowing that the guy who he has been a tandem with at safety for the last six years is a free agent and it's going to be 32 years years old next year and we don't know what the future holds there um could look very different in Buffalo's secondary next year Hyde is back he's under contract for one more season Poyer is not and we don't know where that's going to go if you remember he wanted a new contract at the beginning of the year that never happened so and he was riddled with injuries for most of the season. But he gutted it out. He played extremely well, um, even in the midst of those injuries. Hyperextended his elbow in training camp. Uh, had to take a take a bus to Kansas City to play because he Kansas couldn't City, fly. A couple of cracked ribs, um, and you know, just kind of played tough. He really laid it on the line for the club. And I know, you know, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, and his teammates really appreciated no question about it they they love the guy um you know but like you said you know he's 32 years old and and it's a business and it's a business and and i'll tell you this too not for nothing um he may strike it rich good for him yep. you know i don't think the bills will make him that guy though with tremaine Edmonds standing there um and the rest so i don't know it's i know that the bills will make him and i think i don't know I think the Bills will make him an offer, but whether that's an offer that nobody else will match or even succeed, uh, supersede, I, you know, I, I kind of yeah. doubt it. Break time for us here. When we come back, more of your phone calls here on this Buffalo Football Monday at 803-0550. We're back in a minute here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We're going to get right back to the phones, and we go to Jim in Olean next. What do you got for us, Jim? Good afternoon, guys. Um, got to say I'm not totally shocked about yesterday's game. I 
didn't think they'd get beat that bad. But I look back at the game three weeks ago with the Damar Hamlin incident, and that game almost seemed to be going the same way up until the time of the the medical incident there. I mean, Joe Burrow seemed to be moving the ball pretty easy, and he's that team you've got to put up sevens and nothing but sevens and play a perfect game on defense. And the defense is something definitely that needs to be shored up, you know, in the off season here. And I would like to see somehow if they could ever get a Thurman Thomas like running back. I don't think anybody should be fired. You don't want to throw away a whole team just because of a team that played poorly yesterday. I mean, for crying out loud, they've only lost four games this season. I mean, yeah. I think we got to give them a break there and just try to shore up the areas that need to be shore up. Help Josh in more ways that we can through an offensive line, more you know, good receivers, and a running back that maybe could catch the ball out of the backfield, and a tougher defense. I remember the defenses of the 90s, and I'd like to see that come back. And now I'll just sit back and listen. Thanks right. a lot. Guys. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I get it. I'll say this about the Monday night football game. Even the game yesterday, I, I kind of predicted that I was always my thought, and I, I watched this team play like everybody else did. One of the things that was became kind of a hallmark of the way Bill's games went were that their opponents would come out in, early in the game and have make some hay offensively. They would come out and move the football, and they would sometimes, in a lot of instances, have their most offensive production early in games. And then Leslie Frazier and the staff, they'd start to make some adjustments, and they'd just squeeze the life out of them. There's a, a maybe double-digit games this season, maybe certainly more than six games this season where that looked to be the case in games that they just strangled their opponent. So I was not phased when Cincinnati came out and on that Monday night game when they came out went right down the field and scored a touchdown. The Bills came down and moved right back down the field the other way, and they had the intercept, the incompletion on the two-yard line, kicked the field goal, so it was 7-3. And since he was off again, running again, that to me was early in the game. It was – three possessions in or two and a half possessions in, I was not surprised that that's how that game was going to go uh, because the Bills' defense adjusts during games and, and squeezes that stuff out of the other team. So that game, to me, was happening exactly like you kind of thought it was going to happen, and I thought the Bills were going to be fine in that game on Monday night. Uh, I would agree that – you know, just with the team's only lost four times this season. I mean, let's you know take a deep breath here. And I said that a little earlier in the show. Um, this is a really good team, and it, when the most of the criticism of your team is coming about style points after wins, not winning by enough, you're pretty good. You're in a pretty good spot, and that's where this team has lived over the past three years. Uh, they've been in a really good spot. They are a hard team to beat. And that remains to be so. That remains so. Um, but in games like this, you've got to play better on game day. Your coaches have to coach their best, and your players have to play their best. And I don't think either one happened yesterday. Yeah. And to to his point, Joe Burrow, the way that he improved his game this year was he became a highly efficient quarterback. He was always a high completion passer. But I said a couple of weeks ago. He has incorporated the Tom Brady approach into the passing game for the Bengals. Basically, what he has done is he's adopted the death by a thousand cuts passing game philosophy of Tom Brady. His yards per attempt came way down this year, but his efficiency went way up. And as a result, the Cincinnati offense stays on schedule. They get first downs and they score points. The Kansas City Chiefs operate in much the same way this year, especially after trading away Tyreek Hill. The big play element of their offense went away. They focused on efficiency. The Bills could do a lot of good to take that same approach and adopt an efficiency model. But to do that, you're going to have to have weapons on the offense that you can consistently count on week in and week out, not once every four or five weeks outside of Stephon Diggs and maybe Dawson Knox. That is the challenge that this team's going to go in with into the offseason. 
Can you adopt the efficiency model effectively, and do you have enough weapons to effectively execute that model? The Cincinnati Bengals certainly do with their top three receivers and a tight end that's very capable in Hayden Hurst. The Chiefs, we know, can do it as well, and those are the two teams that are still playing right now. That's the challenge, I think, in the offseason. We're going to squeeze in one more phone call here before the top of the hour. Isaac in Tennessee, what do you got for us here on One Bills Live? Yeah, hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, basically what I just wanted to say is we have the third best quarterback in the league right now, and it's not because he lacks talent. I'm talking about Burrow and Mahomes, but it's because he lacks weapons around him. I mean, how many times do you see on the screen that Mahomes will throw a five-yard pass to McKinnon and he'll run it for 50 yards or same with Chase. They'll, they have great yards after catch. We have nothing like that. I mean, after digs, everybody else is just, you know, an average player. And another thing I wanted to say was Allen's going into year six. He's got, you know, no MVPs, no Super Bowl appearances. Either Burrow's going to have two or Mahomes is going to have three. So, we got to hurry up and get this team right because he's got some catching up to do if he wants to be, you know, remembered like these guys. And I'm going to hang up. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Isaac. Appreciate the phone call. I think we kind of covered some of that ground with the last caller as well, so no need to expand on that. We are going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll begin our second hour with Josh Allen, who will be addressing the media here on Locker Cleanout Day. We'll get his thoughts as he heads into the offseason in preparation for season number six in 2023. That's coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 